From Troy Public Radio, this is In Focus, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. Cy Montgomery is a naturalist and a New York Times best-selling author of some 20 nonfiction books for adults and children. Several years ago, Cy Montgomery had the opportunity to help raise two orphaned baby hummingbirds, so tiny they were no bigger than bumblebees. She joins us by Skype from New Hampshire to talk about that experience, which she recounts in her new book, The Hummingbird's Gift, Wonder, Beauty, and Renewal on Wings. Cy Montgomery, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm thrilled to be your guest. Cy, your listeners in Alabama, Georgia, and Florida here at Troy Public Radio are hummingbird fans. I'm thrilled that I've I've got some hummingbird fans down south. Cy, you have received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Humane Society, so I want to start out by congratulating you on that. How did you become involved in raising two baby hummingbirds? I was very interested in learning more about birds. Birds are the wild animals that all of us see every single day, and we kind of take them for granted. And I began to think about what makes a bird a bird. And one thing that makes a bird a bird is that birds are all made of air. Their feathers are hollow, their bones, almost all bird species have hollow bones with very few exceptions. But the very lightest birds in the whole sky are the hummingbirds. There's 330 species of them, all of them confined to North and South America. And what struck me was that, you know, birds are able to achieve the miracle of flight because of their very fragility, because they are made of air. The most miraculous flyer of all, well, surely it has to be a hummingbird, because if you count their size, the fastest bird in the world is not the peregrine falcon, but in terms of body length, it's a hummingbird, the male Allen's hummingbird, when it's showing off to a female, plunges 60 feet a second, and that's 385 body lengths per second. So in exploring how fragility actually gives hummingbirds their superpower, I wanted to go one step deeper and look at orphaned baby hummingbirds. And that was how I met Brenda Sherburn LaBelle. I began looking for bird rehabilitators who worked specifically with these most fragile, delicate, but magical and powerful of birds. And that's how I met her. I met her in New England. She had some friends out here. I met her in Hancock, New Hampshire, where I live. And then she called me one day and said, I've got two orphan baby hummingbirds. And I flew to California as soon as I could and became part of the care team for these two tiny little vulnerable creatures. So these tiny birds, how big were they? Oh, gosh, well, they hatch out of eggs the size of navy beans. The nest that they're in, it's really not much larger than a thimble. When they're born, they're the size of bumblebees. You said in the book that they have to be fed every 20 minutes. Every 20 minutes from dawn till dusk. So we did get to sleep at night. But during the day, every 20 minutes, the alarm would go off. And we would have to stop whatever we were doing, no matter what, and feed them by syringe. 
if you didn't feed them enough, they would starve. But if you fed them too much, you know, they're really little more than bubbles wrapped in feathers, and they will pop if you feed them too much. So it had to be very exact. The formula is absolutely key. If one thing is wrong with the formula that you're giving them, the animals will, will die or they'll grow up deformed. We had to not only give them nectar, but all kinds of other vitamins and hundreds of squished up bugs. It was so interesting to read how they grew and the fact that they were different. One was sort of extroverted. The other was a little bit behind in development. Yes. Well, one thing is that the mother hummingbird lays her eggs a couple days apart. So one bird is always bigger and older and the other is smaller and younger. But it was quite interesting seeing their little personalities develop. And I have found with no matter what species I work with, if it's turtles, if it's snakes, if it's octopuses, if it's lobsters, you can tell personality differences between individuals, just like there's personality differences between every individual person. And you and your friend Brenda resorted to giving them names. What names did you give them? We named them Zuni and Maya. The Mayans believed that hummingbirds were made from scraps left over from other birds and that their gorgeous colors were a gift from the sun god. And the smaller one, Zuni, we named because, like the Hopi and the Pima, they believed that hummingbirds bring rain, and that part of California desperately needed rain. So we named them after miracles, because we knew that their survival would be a miracle, and that soon they would be on the greatest of all birds' miracles, and that is the blessing of flight. On page seven of The Hummingbird's Gift, you talk about the shocking number of pollinators being in dire danger. Can you tell us why this is happening? One reason that it's happening is what we call the insect apocalypse, the same thing that is killing off all the insects is killing off all the birds. In many cases, it's pesticides. In many cases, it's habitat destruction. And then we are poisoning the world with our chemicals. Climate change is affecting all the plants and all the insects that hummingbirds and other pollinators need to survive. So it's almost like a perfect storm of disaster. But one thing that's amazing is that even relatively small pockets, little oases, microclimates that can be created when you plant a hummingbird garden can function as refuges for not just hummingbirds, but also bees and other insects. Are there any certain plants that you recommend to your listeners to attract pollinators and hummingbirds? Yes. Basically, if it's red and shaped like a trumpet, they won't be able to resist it. Hummingbirds love red so much they have been known to try to pollinate women's lips when they're wearing red lipstick. They'll even go up to red cars sometimes and see if maybe there's some pollen there. So a good guide is a trumpet-shaped red flower. The rest of the story is that these two baby hummingbirds survived. How long did it take to raise them to flight? Oh, gosh. Well, the mother hummingbird can do it in a matter of weeks, but for us, it was over a month. It was a miracle. But that was part of the hummingbird's gift to us. They showed us that even though we're only human, 
we can make miracles happen. And at a time that we're coming out of this COVID-19 disaster, at a time when many of us are tired and feeling vulnerable and sometimes even helpless, I think it's so important to remember that miracles happen every day and we can do them. Sai, I want to thank you for sharing a story of survival and beauty and science in The Hummingbird's Gift. Wonder, beauty, and renewal on wings. It sounds to me as if your message is one of renewal. Absolutely. You absolutely got it. And I am honored and delighted to be sharing this with all of your listeners. So thank you so much for this opportunity. And thank you so much for writing the book and for joining us by Skype from Hancock, New Hampshire. It's my pleasure. Joining us by Skype was naturalist and best-selling author Cy Montgomery. Her new book is The Hummingbird's Gift, Wonder, Beauty, and Renewal on Wings. More information is at her website, CyMontgomery.com. Thanks for joining us today for In Focus. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, and this is listener-supported Troy Public Radio.